This is Echo Zoe Radio, episode 124 for August 2018 with Gabe Hughes on Christianity and the Culture. Welcome to Echo Zoe Radio, the podcast outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries, where you'll hear about important topics affecting the church today. Our primary goal is to explore a variety of issues while remaining faithful to God and His Word. Stay with us for the next hour as your host, Andy Olson, shares his conversation with this month's guest. Here's your host, Andy Olson. I'm Andy Olson. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. This is episode 124 for August 2018 with Gabe Hughes. Gabe is returning for his third episode of Echo Zoe Radio. He's pastor of Junction City First Southern Baptist Church, author and creator of What, which stands for When We Understand the Text, and it's a YouTube video ministry and separate but related daily podcast. And for this episode, Gabe and I will be discussing cultural issues and how Christians should approach them. And because they're a convenient starting point, we'll use a few of Gabe's short YouTube videos for our discussion. As with any episode, you can get show notes for this one at the website. Every month I put together a bullet-pointed outline of the discussion, which this time around will include the YouTube videos we're talking about, but also the usual list of scriptures that we reference during the show for your own deeper study. And depending on what I find, a list of additional resources on this subject, as well as related episodes from the Echozoi Radio archives. You can find the show notes for this episode at echozoe.com slash 124. With that, here's my discussion with Gabe. Gabe, this is uh, actually episode three you're back for with Echozoe Radio, but it's been yeah. it's been a while, but um, you're back. It has so. been. Actually, on, on my Skype, it told me that my phone call with you ended in October of last year. So, so it hasn't been. Uh, as far as my show goes, you know, I, you do a daily show. Yeah. And I do a monthly show. So for you, like, like what, eight shows ago was like, you know, last week, right? For me, eight shows <laughs> right. ago was last October. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Like that. <laughs> yeah, we just did 750th episode is what we just got oh, done wow. with. So, yep. Uh, although uh, Albert Moeller, uh, who's, who's in his ninth season of The Briefing, just completed episode like 1810 or something like that. Yeah, that's just, so. a, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I'm not, I'm not anywhere near that yet. But we need a petition with him to, to stop taking July off because it just, it throws me off. You know, I get it into messes a, me up. I get I in a routine. I have like, I listen to him at a specific time of day and stuff. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, I'm taking the month off. And then, oh, well, there goes my routine. So now it'll take me about <laughs> three months to get the routine going back again. <laughs> That's right. Actually, yeah, what works I, out well is that my oldest son is in a private school and being private, we have to drive him and pick him up. He's not bust. And yeah. so, um, my routine is usually once school starts out up again, the, the last week of August, when I go pick him up, I, I put the briefing on and, and I, it gets about two thirds of the way done by the time I get to him. And then I'm, you know, I'm usually done when I'm halfway home. That's right. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I'll start, I'll start my day with the briefing and then I listen to like three or four other podcasts. Well, I noticed that when Dr. Mueller took the month off, 
and I wasn't starting my day with the briefing, I wasn't listening to anything else throughout the day either. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> I'm oh, back really on my, uh, yeah, I'm back on my daily uh, podcast uh, <laughs> regimen now, I think. Mm-hmm. So um, it's kind of a late show for me. Usually, you know, I like to have like an August show up on August 1st and here it's August 10th when we're recording and it'll probably be the 12th or 13th before it's posted. And, um, <laughs> so, and, and we had some shuffling and I kind of given you some backstory on, um, trying to get a show and whatnot. And I, so I appreciate you stepping in and, and doing something with me again. And, um, we tossed around a few different ideas and, and, uh, what I think we settled on was that we're going to talk about Christianity and culture, Mm-hmm. And we're going to, just because it's easy, we're going to use your what videos. We got a half a dozen of them that I queued up as like jumping awesome. off points. So we'll, we'll play a video and we'll talk about it a little bit and a little more because they're only 90 seconds. So a lot more can be said than what, you, what you've got in your videos. And then, we'll, <laughs> and there's kind of a theme going and it's the theme, as I've said in the title and, and, and already is kind of Christianity and culture and how we engage our culture and especially like the culture as it is right now in kind of this direction that we're heading where um, there's a lot of uh, social justice and, and socialism and microaggressions and whatnot and stuff. And, uh, but I thought it's, it almost seemed unrelated in a way, but I thought a great one to start with would be this video that's called so heavenly minded. You're no earthly good. Okay. Sounds good. Don't be so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good. Have you ever heard that expression before? It is a lie from the pit of hell. More accurately, don't be so earthly minded that you're of no heavenly good. Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things you need will be added to you. The writer of Hebrews said to desire a heavenly city. For here on earth we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Paul wrote to the Galatians to hold to the promise of the Jerusalem from above. And he told the Colossians, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. When your hope is in Christ and His kingdom, nothing else will satisfy. Sin won't be as tempting. The world's attractions won't be as attractive. Earning the world's favor won't matter. You will desire to please your King and share the message of His kingdom so others might believe and be saved. This world will perish in judgment, but the followers of Jesus will inherit His kingdom. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. When we understand the text. So that thing, that, that, that could have been inspired by about a million different things. Uh, actually, it, where it came from was we had just finished up studying through Second Corinthians chapter four. So uh, that that scripture that concludes the video, Second Corinthians four sixteen through eighteen, I believe I had just preached on that. Okay, uh, when I wrote the script for that, because uh, we're going through Second Corinthians right now, and I actually just went through Second um, uh, Corinthians five twenty one. The uh, the doctrine on <laughs> penal substitutionary atonement is usually the. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the verse that gets attached to that doctrine. He became sin who knew no sin, uh, but that uh, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him for our sake. 
And so we uh, we finished up chapter five, about to jump into chapter six. But it was when we were in chapter four that uh, that I was reminded once again of that uh, instruction to be heavenly minded, because the things on this earth are wasting away and are transient. But the things we're looking forward to in heaven for our glory are going to be uh, eternal and unperishing, unblemished, uncorruptible. It's just a, a beautiful reminder of the hope that we have in Christ. Yeah, I, I, as I'm watching through the video and then as you're explaining it, too, I, it's been kind of a I, I think I'm in kind of a um, I don't want to call it a slump, but. um, It's been weighing heavily on my mind more and more all the time, how much I just like this world seems to be going down the toilet, you know? Oh, yeah. And um, and and daily just putting my hope in 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 my eternity in in an eternal state, you know, in, in Christ, in the, in, in, uh, heaven and in his kingdom and really thinking a lot about how, um, well, I, I just turned 40, um, last fall. And so statistically I'm kind of halfway through life now. Right. Over and, the hill is yeah. that's the term I heard when I was a kid. I don't hear it so much anymore, <laughs> but Yeah. Yeah, I got pinatas that say "May the fortieth be with you" with uh, Darth Vader. <laughs> Darth Vader. I can see that. I yeah, I can see that fitting your uh, <laughs> your your style. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'm thinking how you know how absolutely quickly life goes by, you know, mm-hmm. and, and childhood seemed to drag on forever. And now I I see it in my kids, you know, that they seem to think that childhood goes so slowly, but then you get through it, and then all of a sudden it's like you get on the fast lane and and life flies by and um but thinking how much of that's a blessing in some respects you know that that we're in this cursed world and we're really not going to you know you know compare us to 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 pre-flood the pre-flood world where people lived for 6 7 800 of years, years. Yeah. yeah like isn't it a blessing that we can just be done and and go be with our king yeah, we don't have to uh, stick around in corrupted bodies for too long. <laughs> yeah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but as far as the theme goes, though, uh, it's a great jumping off point when we're going to talk about these other things that that if we're going to get caught up in kind of what the world wants out of society, you know, with with this whole social justice stuff and microaggressions and and uh, socialism and and kind of turning humanity into a god and kind of worshiping us as a whole or worshiping a government or worshiping you know putting our affections uh in in, in a place that's going to perish yeah in in worldly things that are even ultimately going to disappoint mm-hmm. so even even taking the uh the understanding that this world is subjected to futility and it it's all wasting away and it it is all going to perish uh just just setting that aside the things that you desire and want in this world uh, that you think will make you happy ultimately are going to leave you empty. It's why mm-hmm. after buying the new iPhone X, you're now looking for the iPhone XI. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it only brings you that elation and that joy for a certain period of time. And then uh, just as the stuff that you cling to is wasting away, so your feelings, which are uh, uh, you know, they're, they're physiological. They're, they're certain things that are firing in your brain and your synapses and stuff like that, because this is all a physiological response to the stuff that you want and your body is material. 
So even the things that brought you the feelings that you once had and you're trying to um, enliven in you once again, eventually your feelings change. And that Mm -hmm. thing is not going to bring you the feeling of elation that it did the first time. So then you have to go find something else to try to find return to that joy, that feeling of happiness that you had. And, And when you're putting it in stuff that's going to perish, no lasting happiness can possibly come from it. So and everybody knows everybody inherently knows that the stuff they love doesn't last mm-hmm. like we know that. But but according to Paul in Romans one, we suppress the truth with unrighteousness. We'll still try to convince ourselves that this stuff is going to bring me the happiness that I'm looking for. Uh, but um, ultimately, it wastes away like our bodies are wasting away, like the rest of this world is wasting away. And uh, even even though we've convinced ourselves it's the thing we need to be happy, deep down we all know it never really satisfies. And yet in our sinfulness, we don't want to admit that. And we don't want to have to give up those things that we cling to in the world that make us feel good about ourselves. Humbling ourselves and coming to the Lord of glory and saying, uh, okay, I realize I have sinned against God. I realize I have rebelled against you and that I cannot save myself because I'm corrupt. And so, Lord, forgive me of my sin and lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And then according Mm -hmm. to uh, Romans 3, we are given a righteousness that does not come from ourselves, but is given to us in Christ, who is eternal, who was sinless, who did the thing that we could not do, and that was live a perfect life. And by faith in Christ, we are given his righteousness. And as I mentioned, I just preached through uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, and that was one of the things that I mentioned with my congregation is how is it that we receive forgiveness for our sins? Well, the the vessel that God has decided he is going to use to transmit that forgiveness to us is faith. Mm-hmm. You just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved from the wrath of God, the judgment that is coming against all unrighteousness. And And the more that we marvel at that and we think about that, the more incredible and lovely and beautiful it is. We're, we're trying to find a an everlasting imperishable beauty in this world which we're never going to find and yet that beauty is given to us in Christ the greatest gift that was ever bestowed upon mankind but it's in our sinful pride we just don't want to admit that we don't want to admit that Christ is the thing that we need and not the stuff we think will make us happy mm-hmm. well but then on the, let's, let's just talk about it on the flip side like as those of us who are saved who have been rescued and redeemed and 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 know that our our affections are, our affections are in Christ. They're in our future. They're in, in the kingdom to come, not the kingdom of the now. Um, Like you said in the video, you become so heavenly minded. You're no earthly good anymore. Right. Right. So we're, we're, um, that's the lie though. (laughs) So (laughs) heavenly minded, you're no earthly good is the lie. The truth is that we're so heavenly minded that we would be of earthly good. Right. So did I get that right? Well, the, no. <laughs> well, then you said the flip side, then you're no, you're so earthly minded. You're no heavenly good. Yeah. Right. That would be the, but, yeah, that would be the flip side of that. So uh, one, and that's a reminder, like you were talking about uh, uh, just thinking about how we need those reminders of heaven. And I think as a pastor, especially somebody who over the last couple of years, I've probably been reading more Puritans than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And, and Puritan doctrine is, as wonderful as it is, is oftentimes full of you're a sinner and here's how awful a sinner you need to know that you are so that you will find 
uh, the salvation that is in Christ, which is very true and is mm-hmm. definitely something that pertains to our culture and our society right now, not understanding just how sinful we are. But, uh, but sometimes we lose the reminder that we constantly need, since we're still of the flesh and we still exist in this world, we need to be constantly reminded that we're not meant for this world mm-hmm. and we're not staying here. And, and as we go through the daily grind and we kind of push through the grudge uh, um, or the tr- we trudge through it all to try to get to the other side, just bring our head up above water on the, on the end of the week, you know, then we get to church on Sunday. We need to be reminded, you know, hey, how was your week? Pretty rough, wasn't it? Do you feel like you're getting any satisfaction out of the stuff that you did this week at all? Well, uh, take heart, my brothers and sisters in the Lord, because this is not our home. We're not staying here. The things that you're experiencing in this world are are not eternity. It is but temporary, and it doesn't even compare to the weight of glory that awaits us in Christ Jesus if we endure to the end. Now, along those lines, I'm you know I'm not a Sabbatarian, and I see a lot of that come up online. You know, friends on both sides that are diehard, you know, pro Sabbath or or. Uh, or not, not Lord's day or right. Right. Well, or, you know, Puritan esque or, uh, I, I think that's one of the, I think it's maybe two things. I can't remember for sure out of the, the London, uh, the 1689 London Baptist confession and three out of the yeah. Westminster. You know, I'm yeah. a, I'm a, I'm a, a cradle Baptist. I'm a non Sabbatarian. <laughs> well, it's like Mark Dever says, uh, I sound like I'm a Sabbatarian, but I'm not. That's that's something yeah. that that well, uh, never but, is said. But what I'm getting at is that I'm not a Sabbatarian, but I get so much refreshment in that Sabbath. You know, absolutely. That, you, like you're saying, you get through the 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 trudge of the day of the week, and uh, and and having to work in things that bring no satisfaction, and just having that time to sit down and be in the Lord in fellowship with others, where you're you're you kind of can cast off the the needs of the world for a short period of time and yes yeah that and, and that's that's something i just don't think we cherish enough mm-hmm. and one of the things i think the lord has been working on my heart in the in about the past year or so is recognizing that church is heaven practice mm-hmm. our our singing together and lifting up praises to god you go to the book of revelation this is what we're going to be doing forever Mm-hmm. And it's going to be amazing. Get, mm-hmm. get the picture out of your mind of the Looney Tunes guy sitting on a cloud with a halo over his head and strumming a harp. That, that right. is not at all what eternity is going to look like for us. It is giving God glory forever with all the saints together in one voice. And so we practice that when we gather together as the church. And mm-hmm. we even rejoice in hearing the word of God, which we're going to receive in heaven also. That's something else that we will be doing is... Uh, is exploring and basking in and marveling in the glory of God and all that he has accomplished and what he has done through his son from the beginning of time. And as I've heard James White say, uh, the uh, just studying time, just going through time and looking at how God was working in every single molecule to line things up to bring about the salvation of the elect through Jesus Christ, that, that study in itself, that exploration would take us all eternity to uh to see all the ins and outs in the ways that God was working in the ebb and flow to bring these things about for his glory. So that's uh as that's we awesome. study theology, yeah. As we study theology on Sunday, it's but a taste of 
the study of God's glory that mm-hmm. we're going to be doing for all eternity. Well, and then just imagine that we're not going to be in this, the we'll be in, in renewed bodies, not bound by the curse and where we're not going to forget things, you know? Amen. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I don't know how long you've been in the Lord. I've been saved almost 20 years now. I'm coming up next spring in on uh, 20 years and it, it never ceases to amaze me how I can reread parts of the scripture that I've read many times before and forget that I ever read it, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. There, there are some times when I'll be studying something and, and something will just fly at my face. Like I've never seen it before. And there's a, there's a moment of elation and rejoicing in God when I behold this truth in this way, perhaps for the first time. But then as a pastor, there's also this feeling that kind of sinks in is like, Oh my goodness. How, how is it that I, as a pastor, have never noticed this before, and and how uh, unprepared or unready am I to be able to bring this to my congregation? How I mean, could I possibly continue to teach if I've never seen this before? Uh, but I hear from such great men that experience the same thing. I think it was Derek Thomas I was just listening to recently, and he was talking about something that he read for like the 50th time, mm-hmm. and there, there was well, a glory I, in it that he had never noticed. Do you ever find that like... Uh, do you ever go through like old notes from preparing sermons or listen to an old sermon or something and, and learn something from something you preached? Yes. Yeah, and I have. Like, <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> you forget we're bound by this, this, this mind that's just prone to forgetting. And oh, yes. imagine having eternity and remembering every moment of it as if it was just five minutes ago. Yes. You yeah. Know? We can look well, back there's... from a billion years ago. Yeah. Once we're that far into eternity and remember everything is f- as clear as day. I mean, yeah, that is going to be amazing. Although there is, you know, a first John three, two, that says that we will see him as he is because we will be made to be like him. So our minds will certainly be different on the mm-hmm. other side, but you know, the, um, there's the old new song tune from back in, I think it was the late eighties or early nineties. Uh, the song was not the half has been told a small part, not the whole. And so even when we see glimpses of that in the scriptures, trying to wrap our minds around the concept of existing in eternity is too much for our finite minds it to is. handle right it now. Is, yeah. So even though we, yeah, we have those promises in scripture, but what that means, what that will look for us, uh, look like to us or what it will feel like to us on the other side is something we can, we can barely consider now yeah we should still be looking forward to yep well back to the trudge of life and and uh the culture um we'll move on to to coexist does the bible heavenly minded then as we we're gonna be yeah we're gonna try to be heavenly minded as we talk about the world saying we need to coexist awesome all right Surely you've seen this before, the Coexist bumper sticker, suggesting that Muslims, hippies, I guess, the sexually confused Jews, Wiccans, Taoists, and Christians should be more tolerant of each other. Before it looked like the Coexist logo you see on most VWs, first it looked like this, made in 2001 by a Polish artist for a competition. His design was popularized by U2 on their Vertigo tour. This led to a legal dispute because you can't coexist when there's money to be made. Yeah, it's hypocrisy. The facts coexisters don't want to discuss 
discuss is that C-O-E-X-I-N-S downright hate T whom the sticker is directed at. I and S just prove atheists are religious. E wants to force everyone to bow to their sex gods. C's founder Muhammad killed people who wouldn't convert to his religion. But Jesus and his apostles told Christians to live peaceably with everyone, love your enemies, and bless those who persecute you. When Jesus was reviled, he didn't revile back, but entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. No other religion or philosophy can give anyone peace. They are at enmity with others and with God. Only by believing in his son Jesus does a person have peace with God and will be saved on the day of judgment. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but by me. That message offends because it says all other beliefs are wrong. But this gospel of peace must be preached to the world so others may hear and coexist with God when we understand the text. That was probably, of all the ones that I queued up, that's the one that video might be the most beneficial for, but not necessary. What do you mean? Well, a lot of these, there when you when you do what videos, um, it's 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 actually a much more audible format than. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, but yeah, so but because so you're doing the, it in video, you're putting up uh, graphics. You're you're putting the right. text of what you're reading in scripture and whatnot, just kind of to, to give your mind, your eyes, something to do while you're listening. <laughs> and yeah. of the ones I queued. <laughs> I think all of them this work one was fairly, more visual. All of them work yeah. fairly well in audio format, but that one probably less than the others. Yeah, especially as you're explaining so. the coexist. But everybody listening to this, I'm sure, can can picture in your mind's eye the coexist bumper sticker. Especially as they're listening to your podcast while they're driving down the road, and, and they, they just see the add. guy in the car in front has that. That's yeah. right, <laughs> the Prius, right? There it is right there. Hey, just as you guys were talking yep. about it, I on see that, coexist that, in front of me. Blue Prius over there. Just look to your left a little bit. <laughs> that blue Prius right That's there. That's right. Yep. <laughs> in fact, I had I had a joke in the script originally about the sticker being on a Prius and not a VW, <laughs> but. Uh, it it uh, it got distracting. It also lengthened the video, and I try to keep everything under a hundred uh, or under a minute thirty. So mm-hmm. uh, so anyway, yeah. Uh, but uh, that's where I typically see the coexist bumper stickers, and I think everybody else would say that's where they see them as well. They're usually on a Prius or something like that, or a, sub- a Subaru. Yeah, Prius a or Subaru. Subaru. That yep. would be the other one. <laughs> So let's are, talk are about, we typecasting? Are we generalizing now? I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've left the topic, and now we're well, you uh, don't now we're see generalizing. It on a canyon arrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ford F one fifty. Not too many uh, coexist stickers on those. Exactly. Yeah, no, I'm thinking of the. Uh, do you know what I mean by the canyon arrow? Yes. Yeah. Uh, this the uh, Marge Simpson like oversized like takes up three lanes. Right. SUV. <laughs> the, uh, the giant vehicle. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You don't see them on those, but as far as coexist, I mean, we all know what the, what the world wants that to mean that we should kind of celebrate diversity. We should, and which isn't always a bad thing, but when it comes to religion, we shouldn't be celebrating people's false beliefs. They want us to a- do that. Absolutely. Right. I, and that's unfortunately it's even common among uh, evangelicalism where you have so many different preachers and pastors are saying, well, you know, we don't need to fight over these things. We don't need to argue about this doctrine and that doctrine. 
Uh, I think one clip that a lot of people uh, may have seen is the one of Stephen Furtick. This was years ago. I mean, this may have been like a 10-year-ago Stephen Furtick, where he's talking about, you know, if you come here wanting to learn doctrine and you want to hear Kay Arthur and Beth Moore and John Calvin, and, you know, he just throws out a bunch of random names Mm -hmm. and says, we can go to the phone book and we can find you a church that's going to make you fat on all the doctrine that you want and stuff like that. So he's speaking about it as though it's a bad thing. We shouldn't want to study doctrine because, you know, the common uh, uh, cliche that goes with that is doctrine divides. So we don't want to get into studying about doctrine and theology because it divides people. Well, Jesus said, I came not to bring peace, but to bring a sword. And people would be divided from one another because of the truth of Christ that they believed. And not that that should be our ambition. It's not that we're trying to divide people, but just as you commit yourself to the sound teaching of the word of God, there are going to be people who are going to hate it because they don't want to hear what it is that you're teaching from the Bible. Just take the scriptures and turn it into the feel-good sermon for me that I can get a quick fix on Sunday morning and feel like I'm doing my religious duty and then go about my week believing that as long as I believe hard enough then I can have whatever it is that I want, which is basically the kinds of sermons that people want. And this Mm -hmm. goes right back into the whole earthly minded that you're no heavenly good uh, Mm -hmm. concept, because now you're just thinking about your place in the world and how the world can benefit me and how my religion is going to be the thing that uh, that that bolsters my worldly experience. Mm -hmm. And so the the religion, therefore, becomes the thing that serves you rather than knowing how we are to serve God while we are continuing to walk this earth before being taken home to glory. So so even within evangelicalism, you have that idea of let's just not get into those things that divide one another uh, uh, and, and let's not talk about this doctrine or that doctrine. Let's just coexist. Why do we have to challenge any of this? Uh, and generally, that's coming from a pastor who now wants your money. Mm-hmm. So that, <laughs> that's uh, that's the pitch before taking up the big uh, collection and offering. Mm hmm. Which you still need to give to the church, brothers and sisters. Just be careful of those guys who are lining their pockets and making themselves fat. But as for the flip side of things, uh, you had some great scriptures you threw in there about uh, praying for your enemies and um, and whatnot. That um, there is some kind of angle to coexisting that is scriptural. That mm-hmm. we're oh, not, yeah. you know, we're we're not like, supposed to be like Peter to pull out the sword in the garden of Gethsemane and ready to go to lop, war. Lop ears off. Lop That's ears right. off, right. Start cutting people apart. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's certainly uh, an understanding that we are to pray for our enemies. And sometimes even that instruction is very hard for us to hear, mm-hmm. especially when uh, we're, we're kind of in that, that state of the culture right now where you need to get mad because you're not getting what you deserve. And that's the way we're being fed the lie too. You deserve this. You're not getting it. And so you need to get upset about it. Mm-hmm. And instead of understanding that we need to, uh, as Paul said to the Philippians in Philippians chapter two, consider others needs ahead of our own uh, Romans chapter 15. We who are mature need to be mindful of the failings of the weak and put their needs ahead of ours and build our neighbor up for his good. And when we read in Ephesians four, that as we grow in maturity, it benefits the entire church. Your growth in your sanctification benefits the church. You're not even just growing in holiness for your good. You're doing it for the good of all the people of God, that we may consider one another's needs and how we can be of service and an encouragement to each other. 
And so we practice that among the brotherhood. Then when we go out into the world and we're hated for what it is that we believe, we're not to revile back. For Jesus, as a lamb who was led to the slaughter, as it says in Isaiah 53, uh, made no sound. But uh, as Peter put it, that uh, he did not revile back. So likewise, we cannot treat the world the same way they're going to treat us when they hate us for the Christ that we love and serve. Mm-hmm. And preach the gospel and take the world over that way by allowing the Holy Spirit to change hearts and minds and 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 bring people to repentance and faith in Christ. Yes. Rather than through a sword. Which is which is the Holy Spirit's work and not ours. And and that is as a Southern Baptist <laughs> uh, as a Southern Baptist minister, that's something I, uh, I, you know, theologically, we're constantly coming up against even in the Southern Baptist Convention, because there's always this this push or this idea that we need more numbers and we need to bolster the numbers. Well, that isn't our that in our job. That isn't yeah. our work to grow the numbers of the church. Our job is to be faithful to the word of God and preach the gospel the, uh, in soundness, the way that Christ spoke. Uh, not the way that that we think the gospel is supposed to sound or or that will tickle the ears of people and not be so offensive. So we're going to give them a watered down gospel. We need to we need to be sound in our doctrine, even in the gospel that we preach. And then the Holy Spirit is going to be the one who is going to transform the heart. And that is the work of God. That's not anything that we have control over. Your mm-hmm. responsibility is to be faithful to the word as it has been presented to us. And God will do that work in someone else. Or as I've heard Vody Bacham say, we're in communications. It's our father who is in sales. He's the one that closes the deal. <laughs> it's kind of a catchy way to say it. <laughs> All right. What does the Bible say about social justice? Now, that's kind of a good, uh, got a good theme going here. Okay. Okay. If the social justice movement was the actual name, there he is. young Christians would not have been lured into it. Because the social justice movement is actually cultural Marxism. There's no such thing as social justice, people. In fact, in the Bible, justice never has an adjective. There's justice and there's injustice, but there's not different kinds of justice. Social justice is an ambiguous term, but it's never social nor justice. People are put into constituencies and everyone argues over who's privileged and who's not and who's to blame and who owes whom. Not considered are the millions of unborn children slaughtered by abortion. So social justice is less about loving people and more about pushing a particular narrative. The world will always be an unjust place because it's full of unjust people. Only God is just. His work is perfect for all his ways are justice and he will judge the unjust. How can we survive? his righteous judgment. Repent and believe in Jesus and you will be saved. All have sinned against God, but you are justified by his grace through faith in Christ. Jesus left his throne in heaven, became a man without privilege, and lived a sinless life on our behalf. He died on a cross to pay for our sins, and he gives his righteousness to those who follow him. So God is both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The message of social justice is this, you owe me and I deserve to be compensated. The message of the gospel is this, you deserve death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, when we understand the text. I love how that one just goes right to the gospel. And that the world wants, it wants problems and it wants the solutions to the problems to be just to, to create victims 
and yeah. perpetrators. Yeah. And, and, and once one group rises fire high enough in the ranks, they lose their victimhood and they become the oppressors. And so then it's kind of a churning, you know, they want to, they want to get, they always want to make sure there's enough people are, are on the bottom as victims and that the problems are that the ones on top are oppressing them. Right. When right. the real problem is we all have, are born into sin and we need a savior. Yeah. And that's it. It's not any more complicated than that. That's or, or, yeah. If if you're talking about justice, if you're talking about getting justice, well, you don't actually want that mm-hmm. because the justice that you will receive, the justice of God is your destruction and being cast into hell for all eternity. That's the justice that you will get. But Christ paid our penalty on the cross for our sins so that by faith in Christ, now your sins are forgiven. And when we read in 1 John 1, 9, that if you ask forgiveness for your sins, God is faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Uh, you know, we think we, we quote that verse a lot because it's like you ask forgiveness, God will give you forgiveness. Yay. But we miss the part in the character of God there where it says he is faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Why is God just to cleanse you of the injustice that you've committed, uh, uh, that, that you are guilty of, the, the rebellion that you've committed against God? And well, because Christ paid for it. So by his blood, our sins have been paid for and we've been forgiven. Now God is just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He doesn't just expunge our sins. He expiates them. They've been paid for by the blood of Christ. So, uh, so the, yeah, the social justice movement is, is crying out for justice. But when you understand that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, what you don't realize you're asking for is your own destruction when you're, when you're mm-hmm. crying out for justice. Mm-hmm. And what you talked about there about, you know, the world trying to tell you that uh, um, you need to be mad about this and you're not getting what it is that you deserve. I kind of think of that as the music man mentality. Are you familiar with that? Uh, that musical uh, vaguely. Yeah. Okay. So the music man at the start, uh, when he the comes monorail. into yeah, yeah. the guy that comes to sell the monorail. Well, yeah, he comes to sell the, um, uh, the musical instrument stuff, you know, Oh, okay. and he, he comes into uh river city and he mm-hmm. convinces them that pool halls are of the devil. You know, <laughs> if you have a pool hall right here in river city, then your uh, th- then your kids are uh, they're, they're going to be victims here. They're they're going to be rebellious and all that. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm remembering the story right. I'm not sure. Yeah, and I'm but, remembering um, the Simpsons spoof, which you, the guy comes in to sell a monorail. Okay, so yeah, that would be the. But but it's it that's a that's the thing that uh, that's kind of neat about and this is a total sidetrack. But the kind of thing that's kind of neat about the Simpsons is that everything is always a parody of something. Yes, <laughs> it's really true. <laughs> They're very culturally music aware. And, yeah. He's selling music and, and then the spoof is selling a monorail. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you got to get people riled up and then right. I can sell you the thing that I'm pitching. And that's that's what social justice is. Mm-hmm. It, it riles you up or the social justice movement anyway. It's the uh, it riles you up to believing that you're not getting this. You deserve that. Uh, and and that. um if you're upset, then you're going to cling to the philosophy that they're trying to sell. And but that thing it, started off with Vody Balcom talking about cultural Marxism. And that's really, yes. it's really, I mean, it's, there's more to it than just a cliche. It's not just a cliche. There, there is a strategy behind it. 
Absolutely there is. Right. Um, and yeah, but uh, when I heard that clip from Bauckham, and, and by the way, that was the last sermon that he preached on American soil <laughs> before, <laughs> uh, before he moved from Houston, Texas over to Zambia and was heading up uh, African Christian University. So the, uh, uh, that was one of the last sermons that he preached, and he was preaching out of 2 Timothy chapter 4 and was talking about the implications of, uh, of the gospel in our current age and uh and the mm. uh the trials and and struggles and things like that that we go through and the ways in which uh myth is trying to entice young christians into uh worldliness and and yet paul says to timothy that uh i am already oh well it's in first timothy 4 4 where he says uh that that a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. And so he was sharing with his congregation ways in which even Christians and evangelicals are being pulled into myth. And he wasn't necessarily talking uh, specifically about why the social justice movement is so bad. And here's what you need to be aware of. What he was specifically saying, and he said it there at the start of the clip, is that this is cultural Marxism under a new name. And if it actually went by its actual name, young mm. Christians would not be lured into it. And so even as Christians, we need to be aware that uh, that the culture is scheming these things, which which is all the work of Satan to try right. to pull us into their narrative and and uh, and their outrage and uh, and ultimately, if we continue to be led and fed by the culture instead of by the word of God, we uh, our our God will be our belly, as talked about in Philippians chapter three, and it will lead to our destruction. So we must be very wise and, ca- and, and cautious, um, wise as serpents and gentle as doves, the way that Jesus put it with his disciples in the ways that we uh, uh, are. Uh, uh, that we guard ourselves from the ways of the culture. Mm-hmm. So the next one is uh, it, it's, it's another way that the social justice and cultural Marxism presents itself. And that is uh, microaggression. And the video is called what the Bible says about microaggression. Okay. A university in California tells teachers not to ask students, where are you from? Asking a minority implies they don't look American, and the question is considered racist. This is microaggression, a social justice shame game. Microaggressions are perceived as subtle forms of prejudice, casual exchanges that communicate derogatory remarks, whether intended or not. You might be a homophobe or transphobe, sexist or racist, and not even know it, especially if you're a white male. If a man corrects a woman's behavior, if you ask someone what they are, make stereotypes of any kind or say you're colorblind and see everyone as equal these are microaggressions an aggressive word meaning attack and these attacks only go one way someone can accuse you of aggression but you can't accuse them or that's victim shaming which is a microaggression this is a victimhood mentality driven by subjective feelings and ironically prejudice this is not how Christians should regard each other the Bible says if one has a complaint against another forgive as the Lord has forgiven you so you 
must also forgive. Put on love with the peace of Christ in your heart. Let your speech always be gracious. If anyone is teaching something different, they have an unhealthy craving for controversy and quarrels about words, producing evil suspicions and constant friction. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in a crooked and twisted generation, among whom we shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life when we understand the text. So it's a social justice shame game. Yes. So uh, trying trying to make you think, it, it, this is almost the, the secular version of original sin. <laughs> so, uh, try, trying to make you think you're you're actually really racist uh and and uh and you're just not aware of it of how of how prejudiced and bigoted you are here let me prove it to you and then uh taking some of the phrases that we might use in everyday vernacular and trying to show us how uh that these phrases are actually uh um prejudiced toward people and because you're not aware of how prejudiced they are then then you're you're prejudiced and just don't know it. So, or it's part of the, the systemic racism that exists in our culture mm. because, uh, because of the underlying prejudice that exists in these statements or things like that. But, but when you, when you try to approach people with that sort of mentality, okay, you're, I'm already taking that your prejudice. Now let me hear it in your words. I'm going to find it in the things that you say and hear all the prejudice and bigoted comments and statements that you make. There's, there's just this constant suspicion that we have of each other. Mm-hmm. And how could you possibly get along with anybody? It, it is incredibly graceless and it is merciless to regard one another in this way, which is why that passage in uh, Colossians 3 is so pertinent. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And there's nothing in that passage or that instruction that says, as long as a person has asked you for forgiveness, you should show forgiveness to them. But rather, we have the same grace that we should show one another as God has for us, because who knows how many things we think or say on a regular basis that, that uh, displays our outright rebellion against God. Even we who are Christians will still f- say things that, uh, that display more the sinfulness in our flesh and the righteousness that we've received in Christ most of the time. And yet mm-hmm. God, in his grace and his mercy, still loves us, even though we act that way. May we be like David in the Psalms who said, Lord, seek my hidden faults so that I might be able to repent rightly before you and be cleansed of those hidden sins and, and desire to walk in holiness as we, uh, as we want to be like our Heavenly Father. Jesus saying in Matthew chapter 5, be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. So we should certainly desire that, that there would be no, uh, at the heart, at the root of ourselves, be no prejudice or bigotry against other people. But that's a completely different self-examination than constantly being suspicious of one another, which creates constant friction. So, so that's a, a microaggression is a social justice uh, uh, tool, and uh, we as Christians should have nothing to do with it because it's completely contrary to the instructions that were given in the Bible as to how we are to regard, regard one another. Well, I want to go back to kind of at the beginning of what you said there and that you, you compared it to original sin, that microaggressions are kind of like original sin. Doesn't that kind of create a, almost a, a, an allure 
that you know we we go in especially if we're not fully mature in our in our understanding of the lord and and the scriptures that um we know that we have this sinful tendency in ourselves. I mean, that's consistent with a biblical worldview. And then someone comes along and says, yeah, and it's manifesting itself through these microaggressions. Isn't right. that kind of an alluring um, uh, and convincing lie? To draw you into... Uh, to to uh, that mindset, to the, to the world's mindset, to the world's um, counterfeit of the biblical well, yeah, I'm worldview. Sure, I'm sure there are, right. I'm sure there are some people that are totally convinced by it, like, wow, you're right. I am prejudiced. But uh, more often than not, I think there's going to be more pushback to that. The people who love the microaggression uh, mentality or approach are going to be those people who believe that they are oppressed in some way, especially among millennials who think but we that we get a lot of people who have, um, um, I mean, they, they, they kind of, are on the other side, but they, 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 they fall into the guilt or, you know, they feel like they're, I'm, I'm privileged. I'm from the privileged class oh, and yeah, I'm I see guilty what you're saying, and right. not. So, so they're, right. they go along with it because they have that, that sense of guilt and that they don't understand that that sense of guilt that they feel is not that they are guilty of these microaggressions, but that they're, they're, that they're yeah. in their own sin yet. Then they are sinful. Okay. I see what you're saying now. Yeah. That, that does make total sense. Uh, right, but there's no solution to it is the problem with social justice and with microaggressions and and with you know uh white privilege or white guilt any of those mm-hmm. things that there's there's no solution to any of that so no. we talk about the the culture well that's that cultural marxism and trying to churn the victimhood and that once yes. somebody rises up above the victimhood then then they become oppressed and then we've got a new victim group I mean, and if yeah. this plays itself out long enough and for and and um and fully enough then the the white oppressors that will eventually become the victim group and they'll just keep churning it and using that oh, yeah well, now, yeah yeah right you know it just goes back and forth uh it's kind of like the the whole i am legend thing uh i don't know if you're familiar with that story uh bruce matheson i think was the name of the guy that originally wrote it not the will smith movie but the original book that it came from. So in this book, the guy is hunting vampires. But what Mm -hmm. he comes to find out by the end of the story is that he is now the myth. He's the legend. The the world is populated by mostly vampires. So he is now the thing that was originally being hunted. Does that make sense? Oh, okay. So so it's like a, a person who's not a vampire is now the myth. The vampires populate the world and they're like, Hey, did you ever hear that there's people who are not like us? They don't eat other people and stuff like that. <laughs> and and yeah, so he turns out to be that. Uh, the mm-hmm. normal person is now the myth. And so that's kind of the way that like all of this goes with uh, with social justice and and uh, uh, microaggression and things like that. Eventually, another person is going to be the oppressed and they get to decry right. everybody else yep. because, look, here's here's the microaggression um, that that I'm suffering through. and. Um, rather than being one in Christ, you know, exactly. We're all, I mean, there is no Jew or Gentile, uh, male or female. Um, we're just one in Christ and, and the world doesn't, doesn't understand that. They don't, they can't even grasp at this point what it's like to have two people who are so vastly different on their terms, on the world's terms, you know, a black man and and a white man who both are saved and redeemed in Christ that don't see each other's skin color. 
Amen. Right. Show no partiality, which is James right. two one. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Uh, and yeah, what we're talking about basically is intersectionality. The whole idea that uh, mm-hmm. that if um, uh, we have these different points of intersections and where we feel like we're being oppressed, these microaggressions that we suffer become our identity. Like I'm I'm facing oppression because I am a uh, I'm black. I'm a woman. I'm a single mom. I'm a millennial. I'm a college student, so I have college debt. I'm working class. So we go through all of these little identifiers, and we we find our worth in the ways that we are oppressed in those in those different areas. Find like, somebody like else who has intersection on those bullet points. Right. Exactly. Like, right. Or or this is what yeah. the culture owes me because I am. I'm being more oppressed at these different points of intersection mm-hmm. than, you know, a white male is is being oppressed. But our identity is not in that. You have the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, and he goes through all of the ways that uh, that he was amazing in his flesh. And he says, yet I count all of that as dung. All of that is rubbish for the cause of Christ. And his identity is in Christ, not in any of these things that he was able to accomplish or do, or even the identity of who he was as a Jew, as an Israelite, as somebody who was of the tribe of Benjamin, somebody who was a Pharisee of Pharisees, none of that mattered. I count all mm-hmm. of that as rubbish for, uh, for the cause of Christ. And so Christ is our identity. That is So we've got one bullet point on our intersectionality. That's <laughs> right. That's right. We're in, in, Christ. in Christ. That's it. If, that's all that matters. If there is any oppression that you face because... You are a follower of Jesus Christ. And we need you to are, count that as joy as well. Exactly right. We, we are sharing in his sufferings. And mm-hmm. when the apostles were beaten for that in Acts chapter 5, they went from that place rejoicing because they were counted worthy to suffer for the cause of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that's an amazing thing. <laughs> I mean, we as Christians shouldn't necessarily be standing on the street corner going, I am oppressed. Flip but the when, microaggression right on its head and say, bring it on, huh? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> we as Christians, as believers in Christ, should be responding the complete opposite way of the of the way the rest of the world is reacting when they feel like they're being oppressed uh, under these various um, intersections or microaggressions. Mm-hmm. So let let our identifier be the joy that we have in Christ, regardless of what's going on in this world. And that's the the passage that uh, that that particular video closed with is out of Philippians chapter two verse fourteen. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God without blemish in a crooked and twisted generation. I mean, how different is it in our behavior that we would rejoice over our circumstances instead of seize the license that the world gives us to complain about it because that's what the rest of the world is doing. Instead, uh, you know, James uh, was already mentioned. James 1, 2, counted all joys. Um, I'm sorry, I, I added that as plural, but it's counted all joy, my brothers, <laughs> when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Amen, glory, hallelujah. Mm-hmm. And that should be our our reaction to uh, to what's going on in the world. Right. I'm going to skip. I had two more left, but I'm going to skip right to the last one just for the sake of time. Okay, let's do it. Um, so we'll close with, was Jesus a socialist? Okay. 
was Jesus a socialist? Well, the Bible says that Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, so Jesus is sovereign, not socialist. But in Acts chapter 4, we see at the beginning of the church that those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. There was not a needy person among them. They gave their lands and their goods, and the proceeds were distributed to those in need. See? Socialism! Uh, no, socialism isn't freely giving, it's forcefully taking. A socialist government believes the state has a duty to take what rightfully belongs to one person and give it to another. That's called stealing. God was very clear about where thieves will go. Whether one person does it or 10 million people vote for the elected officials who do it, it's still theft. That was not the early church, where no one was taking from their neighbor, they were giving to their neighbor. Brothers and sisters in Christ gave as much or as little as they wanted, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Nothing was being taken by any authority, and the money wasn't being misused, like by killing babies and calling it health care. Socialism costs everyone. Just because socialists say they want to give to the poor doesn't make it good. Judas wanted to take Mary's expensive ointment and give the proceeds to the poor because he was a thief who cared only about himself. Mary gave freely to the Lord, and she was commended. Our sovereign king has distributed freely. He has given of himself to poor sinners. Give thanks for his righteousness in endures forever when we understand the text. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you know, what's funny about doing these videos is that when I'm working on it and I get done with it and I post it, I've, I've, I'm getting over being really, really critical about it. Like, you know, like, mm. does that slide right up, uh, line up right? Did I word that the right way? And so then once I'm removed from it and I can hear it again, I'm like, okay, yeah, that did work. That was, <laughs> and you're just listening right now. You can't see, I got, right, I got I can't you see on it. Skype on one computer and I have, I've got the YouTube on a separate computer. So you can't even see what we're doing. Nope. Nope. I can't. <laughs> but, which, which is good going back to that audio versus video format, but uh, yes. Right. But yeah, like so, you were saying earlier too, about, you know, going back and, and seeing something that you wrote or hearing something that you said and being uh -huh. reminded of the gospel again, you know, so that's the, that's, well, yeah, those, I mean, that's, hearing those I've videos doing, does that for me. This is episode 124 over, uh, over 10 years. And I, I find that all the time, you know, if I like, oh, I did an episode on such and such, I should go back and listen to that. And it's like, I wasn't even there. I can't remember any of it. <laughs> <laughs> but you have such great teachers on your program on Echo Zoe. So, I mean, I get going back and listening to those guys too. And, and, uh, well, one that I'm going to listen to was with my pastor, uh, Eric Dalma. We did one a number of years ago on, on Marxism as a religion. And I think that fits in well. And that's going to be in the related episodes for sure. Oh, neat. Yeah. Okay. And, but I don't remember most of it. So I'm going to go back and listen to it too. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you got to remember what he said about that. Yeah. Exactly. So, so yeah, when we talk about like, like Marxism and things like that, we didn't ever necessarily define it earlier, but uh, there's a difference between somebody saying something that's Marxist and somebody actually being a Marxist. So mm -hmm. when Vody Bauckham had that, the, uh, the clip at the start of the one video where he said that uh, the social justice movement is actually cultural Marxism. When we have brothers or sisters in the Lord that get that get pulled into this this rhetoric uh, and this philosophy that seeks to to grab people and pull them into the the this particular worldview, we need to be gracious and we need to be merciful to them and try to help them understand that what they're saying is contrary to what the Scripture says. Lashing out and calling them a Marxist is probably not going to convince them of uh, this new 
worldview that they've adopted is somehow wrong because mm-hmm. they think that the worldview they have is biblical. They can go to the Bible and right. they say, look, social justice in the Bible. So there's going to be some, uh, it, there needs to be a patient approach to this and not calling names, but being able to tell a person what you're saying is actually Marxist and here's why and trying mm-hmm. to have a good conversation about it. And this may involve more one-on-one conversation than it's going to involve uh, a fire over the internet, which well, if you uh, think it, about all of this stuff, like the most enticing things that the world has to offer, has to offer are all counterfeits of what yes. Christ has to offer. Everything, exactly. every, exactly. everything is a counterfeit. Right. right. And so when we see that socialism or Marxism is enticing, or it seems to make sense. The reason for that is that it's a counterfeit of the truth. Yes. Yeah, so so Satan presents himself as a false trinity in the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the because you, you have the dragon, the beast and the false prophet. And that's supposed to be uh Satan's counter trinity. So uh-huh. so this is the way the devil works. He's always trying to give something that is an imitation of what God has given to us. It's the devil from the very beginning in the garden of Eden whispering, "Did God really say?" and then mm-hmm. trying to give us something else. And so when it comes to correcting opponents, we understand the instruction that Paul gave to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, that we are to correct opponents with gentleness, for God may perhaps grant them repentance. So shouting and calling names is certainly not going to do it. But understanding that Marxism, when we use that term Marxism, it basically means that, uh, that we, we are putting people into various constituencies or voting blocks. I mean, I mean, basically, the social justice argument is it's it's a political position. And we don't think of it as being that way because we mm-hmm. think we're actually doing good for somebody else through the, the stuff that social justice proclaims. But the reality is that it's it's all political and it's putting people into various constituencies or demographics or voting groups. And and then we judge people according to those constituencies. And even when we talk about those constitu- constituencies, we will talk about it as though everybody who's in that group has the exact same experiences and everyone who's in this group goes through the exact same experiences. And this is showing partiality. You may not realize that that's what you're doing, but it is what you're doing. Instead of loving individuals, you're pigeonholing everybody according to their group and addressing them that way. And you don't love individual people. So hence why you're pushing a political agenda rather than truly caring for the needs of others. And as you said, Andy, you know, when I look at, a, at my, uh, my friend who is black, I don't see a black man. I see another man who loves the Lord Jesus Christ, who is being sanctified by Christ and is growing in holiness. And so he and I can encourage one another in our respective walks. How can I pray for you? How can I encourage you? How can I weep with you if you are going through a particular struggle? Uh, not, oh, you're a black man, so you're going through the same things that all black brothers are going through. Mm-hmm. And that, that is not the way that we should identify one another. And it is a shame that this is the thing that's being preached from our pulpits, that all black people are going through this. All uh, Latinos are going through this. And so we as a white church, we, we really need to start changing our thinking. And if we don't, then we're not actually loving our black brothers. Well, if you think that they all belong in the same group and have had the same experiences, you're not loving your brother. That's mm-hmm. that's what that comes down to. So, And that's what's Marxist about it. The, the Marxism is thinking that everybody that belongs to this group 
as the exact same experience. Yeah, it's a divide and conquer tactic. People. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, people inherently want power and the way they get power is by dividing people and pitting them against each other. Where the gospel has the opposite effect. It has the, the effect of the gospel is that it brings different people together. Yes, it's unifying. Exactly. Uh, it, like the statement in Colossians chapter three here, there is not Jew or Greek. There's not barbarian, Scythian, slave free. There is Christ who is all and in all. And we exactly. have in Titus three, three, it being said that we ourselves, and this is addressing Christians. We ourselves were once foolish. We were once disobedient, led astray slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. That's who we were before Christ. We were hated by others and hating one another. But but when, verse 4, but, that, that glorious word but, whenever we mm-hmm. see those kinds of lists, here's who we were, but in Christ now we're this. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We previously hated one another, but in Christ Jesus, we are being made one. And it is by the power of the gospel that this happens. And like I said, you know, the start of the program, having just finished preaching through 2 Corinthians 5, it's there that Paul says, We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. So be reconciled to God. And for Paul to say to the Corinthians, be reconciled to God, another way of saying that is repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and -hmm. you will be reconciled. And not only are we reconciled to God, but we're also reconciled to his people. We, uh, as Peter puts it in 1 Peter 2, once you were not a people, but now in Christ Jesus, you are God's people. So it is only by the power of the gospel we can repair the damage of division that has been done by all these different worldly schemes and philosophies that we've latched onto, which we sometimes we think is going to repair the relationships between one another and actually does more to divide each other than it does to repair one another. Uh, Social justice will continue to divide the church. It will never unify the church. The only thing that will unify the people of God or that will unify people to one another is the, uh, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is it. Mm -hmm. We are, we are one blood. We're of one blood by the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been given a new DNA and it is not the DNA of the flesh. It is a DNA of the Holy spirit. A great place to, to wrap up. (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) Did you have any idea when you put those videos together that they would be restitched as a theme like that? (laughs) I didn't, but that's great to see. I like that. Uh, I, I think that sometimes I kind of compartmentalize the topics that I want to address. I even Mm -hmm. have a list and I don't, I don't always necessarily follow a flow on that list. Uh, And what's funny is I I will kind of put different topics in groups so that uh, I'm going to do this group and kind of follow a theme and do four or five videos on that. But when it comes down to it, I only get about two videos done. (laughs) So, (laughs) So you'll see two videos in a row that seem to follow the same theme. But then after that, I'm ready to move on to something else. Or there, there may be something uh, that has caught my attention 
that I realize I need to address this next. This is something else that, that I think I need to, uh, to do a video on. So mm-hmm. uh, I would say the, well, was, the they, they worked out for great for a kind of a backdrop or foundation for conversation. Yes. That, and that's wonderful to hear. And we get that by, uh, from emails too. And folks mm-hmm. uh, tell us, Hey, we use them in Bible study. I use them with my friends and they, they become conversation starters. And so that, that's, that's always great to hear. I love to hear that. Uh, the, the things that are going on in my church, I think will influence the topics more than anyone else, because that's the way the ministry started was addressing things that were going on, even within our congregation or questions that would come from people. But then we also receive emails from folks saying, Hey, would you, uh, would you do a video on this topic? And, uh, and so we'd love to hear from you. If there's a a future video that you would like to see on Mm -hmm. a particular or given topic, or you're saying, Hey, we go through this in our church. I've never seen this addressed or would like a short, concise video on it. Uh, send email to when we understand the text at gmail.com. And I would love to hear from you. Is it spelled out or is it WWUTT at Gmail? Yeah. WWUTT is the website. So if okay. you go to WWUTT.com to get to the webpage, but the Gmail, uh, that series of letters was already taken. So I had to stretch it out to okay. when we understand the text at gmail.com. Yeah. And the other thing is, uh, as I was prepping, um, I I was looking up where can people find you do a 30 minute daily podcast too. 20 minute. Yeah. I try to keep 20 it at 20 minutes. minutes. It's about 22 or 23. But so that's uh, and, more of a verse by verse study. Yes, it is. Yeah. We're, and right now we're going through the book of Titus, mm-hmm. um, at least on the new Testament side. And then the old Testament study is through Nehemiah right now. But if you still, if you go to the website, uh, you can find a link to the podcast there, or you can just go to www.utt dot podbean dot com okay that will take you right to after. the podcast page yeah okay because because uh, i was looking for that so that i could get the links ready for when i put the show up later oh and yeah i appreciate that actually thank you i have um because i i i had the podcast in my own uh, like podcast apps but I couldn't find it as I go back to try to find, okay, where, you know, where is that? You know, <laughs> if I go in, I use, you know, I use the, the podcast on uh, podcasts on my iPad. So iOS is podcasts or on Android. I use one called dog catcher. And on either one, you can just yeah, go into a search. You just do a search and then it, it, they'll find the podcast in there. But if you're on the web, it's, it's not as easy to find. So I'll put a link on that in the show notes. And then oh, as I do the show notes, I'm also going to, post like I'll, I'll embed the videos that we talked about so if you want to see the graphics without having to dig through the whole archives <laughs> of when we just understand the the text. yeah just the coexist video that's yeah, the one you need the, to the see the coexist graph. helps a little bit because there's actually two <laughs> different versions of that and that's something i wasn't quite aware of i mean i'm used to seeing the the more common more recent version but there was another version that was and you said that in the video. That, oh that yeah, was, the original, the original coexist. There was an original, and then it, then money got involved, so then they had to change it. Right. Yep. Then they had to make it into something else. <laughs> so surprise, surprise. You know <laughs> mm-hmm. that money would change our philosophy or our approach to oh, our yeah, worldliness. That, that, that yeah. never happens. No, no, no. <laughs> and it's not so. like Paul said anything about that either. The love no. of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So. Yep. <laughs> so. Well, I greatly appreciate your coming on with me and, you know, you heard, I don't want to say too much about the backstory, but, you know, we had another brother that I reached out to and, um, is going through a lot. So 
um i said let's let's not do a show because you're yeah, going through yeah. enough right now so yeah we'll um, we'll keep praying for him as well and and i had recommended to andy that he get db harrison on and so yeah, maybe daryl uh, Daryl will be able to join you for a I future. I did reach out to Her- to, to Daryl. I'd love to do one with him sometime. He's great on social justice stuff, which um, which I tried to keep this one. I guess when I was putting it together anyway, that I wanted social justice just to be a little like micro or a, a subtopic, not not the whole right. topic of the show, but <laughs> not the whole topic. <laughs> and, and he's good at that because he really hits people hard. You know, he's he's in a group that should be. Uh, victim and he he doesn't put up with that at all no yeah and and i've learned and i've learned from him because uh, mm -hmm. to be honest there may be uh, certain talking points within social justice that seemed somewhat convincing to me and so i would say you know that i i can see the argument there i get that and i would say something about it and daryl would would tell me here's why that doesn't work and once he explained it, I was like, oh, OK. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, he's he's schooled me on that stuff, too. So he is a, a good brother. And I love uh, what he's been doing with his ministry in warning people about the dangers yeah. of the social justice movement. Indeed. And he's real active on Twitter. So I see him a lot. And, oh, uh, yeah. Interacting and stuff, too. <laughs> and and I and I didn't realize that he he gets he gets in a lot of um, debates. We'll just put it that way, I guess. And and that I don't see because I don't follow the other side and the way Twitter works. You know, if you if you tag somebody, then people unless people follow both you and the person that you tag, they don't necessarily see it. Yes, and, uh, and but I had one pop up. There was a guy that I was uh, I went to high school with that was arguing with all kinds of people that I respect, and and I saw among the people he was arguing with, one of them was Daryl, and and it, and it was just crazy. It was like this guy works in inner cities and he, he works with uh, churches and stuff in, in inner yeah. cities and stuff. And, but he, yeah, I won't get into it, but <laughs> yeah, I, I <laughs> but saw Dar- this interaction with Daryl and it was like, he wasn't like, Daryl's not black enough to understand. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, that would, those kinds of comments. <laughs> I've seen those kinds of comments hurled at Daryl and he's so yeah. gracious in how he, handles those things too. I think he's a, a, a very good model and into how to engage with disagreement mm-hmm. and do it with gentleness and respect. So uh, he's, he's a very good example in that way. You know, I'm going to put, he, he'd be a great, even though I didn't get him for the show and I, I I'd love to talk to him someday, regardless whether that happens or not, I'm going to put him in the additional resources because he, his, his uh, he's got a podcast that he does. Yeah. Just and, thinking. Yep. Uh, and I'll put the link to his podcast uh, in the show notes at echozoe.com slash one, two, four is the episode. So if you're interested in that, it's just a great uh, when you're talking about social justice uh, and, and this kind of rhetoric that exists in the culture and, and you're warning people about it and you're you're presenting the justice of God as we have it given to us in the scriptures, because God is just all his ways are justice to call your podcast just thinking. That's just a brilliant uh, <laughs> uh, name, for, <laughs> name for a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, well, thanks again, Gabe. Thank you, brother. It was wonderful to be on. Echo Zoe Radio is an outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries. If you are blessed by the show, please consider offering your support. There are many things you can do to help, including prayer, sharing the show with others, and your financial support. Echo Zoe Ministries is a registered nonprofit organization with 501c3 tax exempt status. 
and your donations are tax deductible. For more information about how you can support EchoZoe Ministries, please visit echozoe.com support. That wraps up episode 124. Thanks for listening to EchoZoe Radio. For show notes, visit echozoe.com slash 124. Be sure to check out the website also for links to connect with EchoZoe on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook and love to connect with you. So follow and like EchoZoe Ministries. Help us get out the word too by sharing or retweeting the announcements for your favorite episodes. It helps not only to introduce new people to the show, but gives me an indication of which episodes people really enjoy the most. So Lord willing, we'll be back next month with the September episode of EchoZoe Radio. Thank you.